conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back, and I am joined by a new guest today. I'm talking with James McMillan about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's about time I do this movie for the podcast because I had seen it, enjoyed it, never revisited it. But James, thank you so much for recommending this. How are you doing? I am very well, and thank you for having me on. Of course. I was more than happy for the distraction to watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off in the middle of this pandemic and with all of the other things going on in the world right now. No, I think a movie like this is, like you said, a welcome change. Did you say this is the first time you ever saw it? It was the second time I had seen it. Okay. And you're how old, if you don't mind me asking? 27. 27. Okay, so this is... I did not exist when this movie came out. No, no. I was three when this movie came out, but it is one of those movies that I just absolutely grew up watching. Yeah. You know, it was like the stay-at-home sick movie Mm -hmm. of all time. (laughs) You asked me, like, what some of my favorite movies were, and it was kind of all over the place, like Shawshank Redemption, Fight Club, like serious dramas, and then Ferris Bueller's Day Off. There is a reason that I include it in that category of, like, serious films. Yeah. It is... I, I mean, it's it's like a perfect movie for me. And Ferris Bueller is my hero. He's who <laughs> I aspire to be when I grow up. <laughs> I'm 36 and I still want to be Ferris Bueller. That's very fair. Very fair. Yeah. But it's just one of those movies where, one, John Hughes is brilliant. He's a genius. Oh, the best. Yes. Just the list. Breakfast Club, 16 Candles, Home Alone. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It just goes on and on and on. Yeah, it really does. And he single-handedly created this genre of like teen angst, teen comedy. And he also created something that a lot of people don't really know. The whole like looking at the camera and talking. Yes, breaking the fourth wall is so good in this movie. It's so good. It's very office-esque, you know, the gym look. Yeah, and, and the use of like, pop music you know a lot of like devo and the beat and the specials and like you know ska and punk rock from that era Mm -hmm. anyway it it, yeah john hughes just created so many iconic films and this one is often overlooked because it's so silly and it's a comedy but it is equally as uh important as any of the other ones he's done for me Yeah, absolutely. I haven't seen a ton of his movies, but I've seen The Breakfast Club. I've seen Home Alone. So I've seen some of the big ones and I still have some work to do in my movie watching history here. But it's one of those things where because a lot of the 70s and 80s movies obviously came out when I did not exist, I'm coming to them way later than a lot of people I know just because of, you know, age difference and everything because I've actually noticed it's funny I'm working with a lot of people who are roughly 10 years older than I am so it's like they've seen a whole different generation of stuff compared to what I've seen you know it's like I grew up watching Scooby-Doo on the weekends and that that was my jam but you know like the original Scooby-Doo yeah like the 60s Scooby-Doo okay you know fun stuff and you kind of look back and you're like Oh, now I understand so many of the jokes they were making that were not for the children watching. Yes, because I watched it this morning just to kind of get a a refresher before we talked. Yeah. And another thing that I noticed that you see in a lot of movies, like Quentin Tarantino does this a lot. Guy that did, my brain's not working right now, Knocked Up, Judd Apatow. 
you know, super bad, knocked mm-hmm. up all that. He does this as well, which is where, like, in the beginning sequence of Ferris Bueller, he's going over the the rules of how to fake sick, right? He, it's yeah. like, number one, this, and then number two, lift the palms. And it actually, the text is written out on screen. And that was the first time that I, I think I've ever seen a director do that, where he's looking at the camera, talking to you, the audience, yeah. and then there's a, a text being actually written out. And uh, I just, that is so goddamn funny to me. Yeah, it's really great. And when you combine everything John Hughes did with the casting in this, it's just like, oh my goodness, Matthew Roderick and Alan Ruck were such a perfect best friend pairing because they have this similar sense of missing school. And that's really what they come together over at the beginning of this. And they're just so different personality wise, though, that you're kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, the person I was best friends in high school with or whatever, we weren't the exact same person, you know, and just to see that work so well on screen and the chemistry those two have, because a lot of times when people are talking about chemistry, they're like talking about a romantic chemistry between people. And then you have Mia Sarah who comes into the picture and she knows how to talk to Cameron. She knows how to talk to Ferris and her character Sloane is just sort of the girlfriend of the popular guy, but she's not just that in a sense. And I do want to point out Ferris Bueller is the popular guy, but he's not like the jock quarterback popular guy. He's popular because he's convinced everyone that he is just the guy. Yeah. Like the whole, the whole running joke throughout the film is that the whole townsfolk know that he's sick. He's homesick. Yeah. Like, save Ferris and, you know, tell him the guys at the, the office or the, the police department say hi and get better. Like the fact that the local police department knows that he's homesick is hilarious. Right. That's so funny. And yeah, I think you're right that Cameron and Ferris are like polar opposites. Cameron's really highly wound up. He's neurotic. He's hypersensitive. He's almost like a hypochondriac too. Mm-hmm. And they really heavily not just imply, they tell you that his home life is awful. Yeah. Like his, his dad is overbearing. His his parents hate each other. And you don't even need to see his parents to know that. Yep. At one point, Ferris explains his house that it's it's like a museum. Mm-hmm. It's cold. It's very beautiful. And it's very cold. And you can't touch anything. <laughs> you know? Imagine growing up there as a baby. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And, you know, and then you have Ferris who's like, he's not just cool. He's so cool that, like, he... N- He's so confident that he's going to get away with this day and and the nine times being absent nine times. He knows it so confidently that like, for example, when he calls the principal and because remember, the principal is supposed to be talking to Sloan's father. Yeah, (laughs) because they they come up with a scheme that her grandmother dies. Right. Mm -hmm. And so in order to sell that point, Ferris has Cameron call in as Sloan's dad. And, and the principal's not buying it. So he's like, I'll tell you what, you bring a ba- the bag of bones, you bring a, bring a dead body, and I'll, and I'll let her get out of school. And then Ferris calls on the other line, but he doesn't do it in a sick voice. Because remember, every time he talks to his parents yeah. or anyone else, he's like, uh, hello, you know, I'm sick. Yeah. But when he talks to the principal, he's like, hi, Ferris Bueller here. How's it going? Because he knows, he knows that the principal knows that he's faking it, but he yeah. doesn't care. Right. He knows he's going to get away with it anyway because he's yeah. so smart. And that's, that was always something I loved about that movie. Like, the fact that he kisses Sloane 
in front of the principal <laughs> when he goes to pick her up. Like he could have not done that. He could have obviously not done it or speed away in this Ferrari. Yeah. But he he's so arrogantly like confident in his coolness. Yeah. <laughs> it was always something. Even as a little kid, I was like, yeah, that guy's rad. I want to be him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did miss quite a bit of school my senior year too, but I did yeah, not do anything too. quite as drastic as Ferris did in my day off. And what's amazing, you mentioned how the police officers know and all of these people around town know, but really they're like right outside of Chicago. So you're kind of like, yeah. wait, you get this really small town vibe with them being right next to this big, massive city. So that just goes to show how confident Ferris is and how wide his reach yeah. is. That they go to a baseball game. Yes. On on live TV. Yeah. That he then sings in a huge parade. where And even Cameron's like, you're toast, man. Everyone saw you. And he's like, nah, not worried about it. Even if they did see him, he still knows he's going to pull it off. The level of arrogance in a like, and it's going to be okay attitude. Again, there's a lot of like deep undercurrents of metaphors and lessons in this film that I've always noticed. Yeah. It's not it's not just a goof goof off American pie teen comedy, which I also love those. Those have their own place. I know Finn McKenty's a huge fan of this genre. But with Ferris Bueller's Day Off, it's I don't like the moment where they, they're in that museum and the music kind of changes. It's actually an instrumental version of the Smiths, please, 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 but in like a symphonic beautiful piece and they're like you know staring at artwork and the, the camera pushes in and there's a moment where ferris and sloan kiss and like it's this really soft moment just out of nowhere and the the, the movie is full of that kind of stuff if you really look it's a it's a really wonderful movie i've loved it since i was a kid yeah, I really enjoyed having an excuse to rewatch it because I was like, oh, okay, this is what I needed because I'm admittedly someone who doesn't watch a ton of comedies. Yeah. So I'm always watching those movies, like you mentioned, Shawshank and Fight Club yeah, and these. Because you're a Stephen King person. These heavy, heavy movies. And right. Because I do host a Stephen King podcast too, it's like they can't all be fun comedies or all marvel movies you know yeah, exactly no you gotta watch pet cemetery and <laughs> yeah i have to watch Misery. the really bad stephen king movies too <laughs> yeah i bet you do no and the, the other thing i love about this movie is that it's just chocked full of like iconic moments iconic scenes and so many quotable moments you know the whole like life moves pretty fast if you don't stop and look around once in a while you could miss it that's like just the running mantra of the movie yeah. And I'm a huge believer in that. The older I get, the more I believe in that. In the beginning of the movie, he, he opens his blinds in his room and he sees it's just sunny out. And he says, how could anyone be expected to go to school on a day like this? And it just, it's just so true. It's like, you know, we're all just running around at, at a, a very high paced speed trying to adult and, and get through this thing that is life. And, you know, the COVID-19 era sucks for so many reasons. Yeah. But if there is one silver lining to it, it's that it has taught us that we are, we were all just doing that. We're all just going around, going, go, 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 another podcast, another business, another yeah. thing. For for what? Like, we're all just doing it. And I think to, to sort of be forced to stay at home and kind of look inward and look yourself in the mirror a little bit yeah. has really, like, made me appreciate the, the whole running theme to that movie even more now 
Like you got to really stop and smell the roses once in a while. Just don't go outside too much right now. Yeah, exactly. Be, be careful if you do choose to go outside. That's right. Yeah, and even though we can't do all of these things right now that Ferris gets to go run around and go do, it's a nice reminder to just be like, okay, you know, we can go have fun for a day and then get back to work the next day or a few days later. And it's something that because I've been working mostly part-time lately, you know, before COVID hit and everything, I would go to a movie at like one in the afternoon and it would just be like a nice little break from working on podcasts, even though probably not great for my ears to go from editing podcasts to a loud movie theater. (laughs) But (laughs) it's one of the things that I just like to do because it's a way to unwind and Ferris obviously isn't the best student in the world, but who is in high school, really? You do have those kids who are really straight-laced and study all the time, and then you see, like, when they are done with college or something, then that's when they start to let loose, because I think they realize, oh, I spent the last eight years in my books. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Doing nothing fun. Yeah, and also, to point out, it's not like Ferris is a bong ripping you know flaky stoner guy exactly i mean look at all the things they did in the day off they did all this like kind of nerdy but like healthy sober stuff sneak into a fancy restaurant go to a baseball game drive a sports car around town go to a museum (laughs) go to museum exactly that's right they go to a fucking museum (laughs) yeah and also about him like the, the character himself they heavily imply you know, like the conversation with Sloan and Cameron right before the parade starts. They're wondering where yeah. Ferris goes. And Cameron's mad. He's like, oh, he probably just took off. And they're kind of talking about Ferris in a way of like, he can do anything. After high school, yeah. whatever he wants to do, he's going to do it. He's, he's that Ferris. convincing. <laughs> he's that convincing. He'll set his mind to it. That's right. And I think there's a lot of value in that for because I felt not connected in high school. I, I hated high school. None of it spoke to me. None of the learning styles spoke to me. None of the teachers spoke to me. Music was the only thing I was good at, or at least I felt good at. And I just always felt like a loser because of that. But in reality, post high school, I started to flourish because I finally yeah. found the things I was good at. When I enjoy what I'm doing and I believe in the in what I'm doing, the mission, I work very hard. Like maybe even too hard. A bit of a workaholic. And I think that Ferris is gonna he's gonna be okay. We all know that. Like, even though he might be a bad student and he's kind of working the system a little bit and hacking into the computer and changing the the number of times he's missed school. But hey, he can hack into a computer, so you know he's going to be fine. (laughs) Yeah, maybe he'll work at Intel or something. Like, he's going to be all right. Yeah, that's a good point. So I just, I I like that. It's not just some, like, aimless suburban kid that's just trying to avoid responsibility. It's like, no, he's steering his ship in his way because it's his life. I think there's a lot of value to that message. And what Ferris realizes is that he's capable of doing these things. So he's just going to go out and do them because that's what he wants to do. And one of the main things, you know, in your early and mid 20s that you kind of figure out is everyone does things at their own pace. You know, when I got out of college, I was like freaking out because I was seeing my friends graduate and they had majored in like aerospace engineering and all these crazy (laughs) things. But it's because I went to an insanely nerdy high school that put a ton of pressure on kids to, you know, 
do computer science and engineering and all this stuff. And here I am going to school for music industry, (laughs) you know, I'm like the only kid doing that. Everyone's off becoming dentists and doctors and teachers. And I'm just like, what did I do? Did I do the wrong thing? What did I miss here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm still, you know, just working part-time. Things shifted from music industry to podcast, but still within the music industry, as you know, it's it's like kind of music industry adjacent all for me right now between yes. working on Finn's podcast, URM Academy, your podcast every now and then, Riff Hard is a new podcast that I started working on recently. And it's just funny how these things work out. And even though it's taking me maybe longer than I wanted it to, it's finally, you know, things are getting in gear. And I know that this is going to be something that I can do much in the way that Ferris knows, hey, I'm going to have this day, I'm going to do it. We're going to get all of this stuff done in one day. We are going to get your father's car back before he gets home. And he even gets home right as his parents get home. So he has this whole day planned down to the minute, basically. He just couldn't have predicted Cameron going off the rails and the car flying backwards (laughs) through the garage. And I mean, that's kind of what you get for having a glass garage that hangs over a cliff. (laughs) Yeah. By the way, I just want to live in that room. Yeah. Garage is like, why is that the garage? Yeah. It should be the freaking living room. Things amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I want to talk about the sister. I think she's a really great character, too. Jennifer Grey, pre-Dirty Dancing. How fantastic. Pre-Dirty Dancing. Fantastic. Exactly. And I think that the whole time she's portrayed as, like, this frustrated sibling. Why does Ferris always get his way? Boo, Ferris. And he want, and she, her whole goal is to get him in trouble. Yeah. She's trying to, to prove that he's faking being sick. Until the very end, the very end when she has to choose, you know, the principles, he's, he's got Ferris, he's got the key, he's holding, he's like, I got you now, Ferris, you're going to do another year in school, I got you. And she just opens the door and decides to take her brother's side because she found happiness in the very end. And I think that, like, that's just such a very, a really sweet subplot that a lot of people don't talk about. Yeah, and she comes to that conclusion mostly because she meets Charlie Sheen in the police yes. station. <laughs> yes, that's right. Which, I know. you know, Charlie Sheen has had many a issue since mm. Ferris released in, what, 1986 or something like that. And you get this moment between the two of them where at first she's kind of disgusted by him because he's this drug addict yeah. and oh my goodness, the makeup on his face was just so perfect for that scene. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're really going all in on this. And then by the end of it, they're making out in the police station when her mom comes to get her. <laughs> yeah. And she's like all clumsy about it afterwards. And right, he right. makes this comment that you're not mad at Ferris. You're mad at yourself because you can't bring yourself to be like Ferris. That's it. In the end, everyone bends to his will. And it's not because he's some shitty Donald Trump, like, I'm going to lie. I mean, yeah, I guess he's lying his way through life. But he has good intentions. He's not ever trying to hurt anyone or fuck anyone over. Yeah. It's just like these, you know, painless, hurtless white lies right. that gets him through. And I don't know. I think, like, you know, what's wrong with that? He, he's really just pursuing the thing that he wants to do. He's having fun and not hurting anyone, like you said, in the process. And he's not really breaking any major laws, you know, maybe just speeding with the Ferrari. (laughs) That's it. A little trespassing as he trapes through backyards, but 
that's fine. <laughs> yes, that's right. Which is single-handedly one of the best end sequences to a movie ever. Absolutely. Yeah, he's just running through, trampling over the the fence, running through the house. Dinner's ready. And then the girl's like, who's that? He just keeps going. I like, though, that he does stop to talk to the two girls in the bikini. Yeah. I thought that was a, a, a nice Hi, I'm Ferris. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ferris. <laughs> no, I was going to talk about another character in the movie that is sort of looked over is the secretary to the principal. So great. <laughs> she is so goddamn funny to me. One of my favorite characters of all time. Like, one of my favorite lines of the movie, she, <laughs> she's talking about, What's the sister's name? I forgot her name. Jeannie. Jeannie, right. She's talking about her. She calls her a little asshole. <laughs> what a little asshole. <laughs> that like really funny Midwest accent. The fact that she called a girl a little asshole is always so funny to me. In such a polite way, too. <laughs> what a little asshole. Yeah, she's just so great. They think he's a righteous dude. <laughs> That's also one of my favorite quotes. She's so it was good. like the perfect accent to go with her personality in this. Yeah, apparently uh, John Hughes had picked her. She was in something else that he had done or something like that. And he kind of gave her free reign to just like come up with this typical Midwest person. So that's all her. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, she's she's one of my faves. I mean, and then there's uh, Jeffrey Jones, the guy that plays the, prin the principal. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. He's so good in that. Like he's just like the typical pain in the ass principle that we all had, you know, like just small town shit. Like, why does he care so much? Why is that his mission? He's not doing any work the whole day, nothing to better the school or to better the school district and nothing to help the students whatsoever. His whole goal is just to catch Ferris and he, and he doesn't. <laughs> and he's so maniacal about it too. It's just one of those things where you can tell yeah. that, Ferris has gotten under his skin because he's just so dead set on this. And then he makes himself look like a fool when he thinks he is talking to Mr. Peterson because Ferris called on the other line. And, yeah, you know, he's yeah. like trying to shoo away the secretary and she is literally just like trying to get his attention. <laughs> and he just digs himself into a deeper hole. And you mentioned earlier the scene where Ferris picks up Sloan and is her quote-unquote father and that just makes out with her for a few yeah. seconds and the principal's like oh so that's what that family is like oh, so that's what it's like yeah that's right and that's the moment where the principal really decides that he's being played yeah he's really like skeptical at first and then the whole the whole phone call where he's like oh shit this really is sloan's dad then he's like back on board okay maybe this is true then once he sees them kiss and then take off in the Ferrari, he's pissed all over again. Like, you just, just keep going back and forth with him. A uh, little unfortunate side note on that actor. He later in life got convicted of, like, having sex with, like, a 12-year-old Thai boy or something. Awful. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. It's really unfortunate when you hear about those things years and years later and you're just like, Oh, oh, you were that kind of person. And guy, nobody huh? probably knew at that time. No, he was in like every 80s, early 90s movie. He was the dad in Beetlejuice. Yeah. And I mean, I recently watched Apt Pupil, which was directed by Brian Singer, another very yeah. problematic person in Hollywood. It's a great movie. Crazy movie. Yeah. And I was watching it for the first time for my Stephen King podcast and as soon as I saw Brian Singer's name pop up on the screen, I was like, 
Oh no. Like, oh, <laughs> bummer. I know. Well, like any of the, the early Quentin Tarantino movies are all Weinstein company films. Yeah. Like all of them. Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, all that shit. And so it's it's hard to avoid it these days. There's a lot of creeps out there. Yeah, it's to the point where it's honestly hard to keep track of. I'm just like, wait, oh, who yeah. did what now? Okay, Morgan Freeman made creepy comments. And, you know, it doesn't seem like he actually physically did anything to anyone. But it's like he would, like, make dirty old man comments or something like that. And you're like, I don't want Morgan Freeman to do that. Why are you doing this? Did you hear that uh, Matthew Broderick, when he was younger... He was in a like vacation in Ireland or something, and he accidentally killed a woman and her daughter, something like that, in a car wreck. Wow. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't on purpose. There, there was a car wreck. He accidentally hit these people, and they died. But a lot of people don't know that. I had no Crazy. idea. Yeah, which is obviously different than like being a creepy Harvey Weinstein guy. But, yeah, no one has a perfect past, that's for sure. Yeah, and it's one of those things where – what I end up telling myself is, okay, there is one or two bad people involved in probably almost every single movie at this point, the way things are going yep. in Hollywood. And uh, yeah. I look at it as it takes so many more people than those one or two people to make a movie that, absolutely, you know, it's hard not to support things that other people need the support for, you know, the crew members, what did they do? Nothing. Right. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if, if we really are honest with ourselves, most of the artists, the bands, the actors, whatever, people, content creators, YouTubers, podcasters, that a a high, maybe not a high percentage, but a, a higher percentage than we want to admit, have skeletons in their closet. They have done something bad. And it's not even a higher percentage necessarily. It's just they're more famous than everyone else who does these things. Yeah, that too, for sure. Right. The, the average person that is... You've never heard of them. Yeah, they're, they're doing shitty stuff, too. You're right. They're not famous, so you don't know about it. Yeah, and for me, it's like I'm probably never going to go back and watch House of Cards again because now I know, and Kevin yeah. Spacey is the main guy in that, and you can see oh, like yeah. the creepiness. That one's specifically tough, right? Yeah, you can like see the creepiness looking back at things his character like did and him. said, and I'm just like, no, thank you. But you know, I watched like L.A. Confidential recently. And I was like, okay, he's in it. One of my favorites. But he's not like the main focus in it. We're not going to see him 90 minutes <laughs> out of the movie. <laughs> and it is hard to figure out when you should and shouldn't support something based on one person. And I think for all of us, it's like a work in progress. But, you know, we've strayed a little from Ferris here. So <laughs> to yes, bring have. us back, I think one of the main messages, like you said in this, is to just kind of... Go out, do your thing. Don't forget to have fun every once in a while. Stop taking life so seriously. Yeah. I mean, we get caught up in that all the time. Take the serious things seriously, but, you know, don't sweat over the little things like, oh, yeah. no, I missed a day of work. <laughs> and also, like, it's just random chaos. That's all life is. And there, I, I mean, there is a good equal amount of, like, what you the decisions you make are going to affect your outcome. Mm -hmm. If you decide to not work hard today, then you're not that's not going to, you know, you're not going to see the the fruits of your labor. And if you decided to sit around and do drugs all day, then that's going to be bad, too. But my point being, but there is also like an equal amount of luck involved in our lives. And I think 
to act otherwise is just lunacy. I mean, I could die tomorrow. I just walk out my house and get hit by a car. I could get cancer and die in the next three months. It happens. So that's what I mean by not taking everything so seriously. And like, yeah, I mean, you know, the Trump era and COVID-19, it all sucks, but we get to choose how we react to things. And I think exactly. that's, that's what Ferris is doing. He's like, I don't want to be in the spot I'm in right now. So I'm just going to carve out my own day. Now I'm going to choose what I'm going to do today. And there's a lot of value in that. And I will say he is very, very productive on his day off. Very productive. <laughs> you know, you could tell he was thinking about this moment for probably a while. You know, the time doesn't really add up. I, I've thought about that a lot. Let's say he even, you know what, they're getting ready for work. The parents are getting ready for work. They come into the room and he's faking to be sick. That's like, what, 7.30 in the morning? Yeah. Seven? You know, even we'll just give him seven in the morning. And then he starts calling his buddy Cameron. Uh, like around eight, because he takes a shower, he talks to the camera for a while. Yeah. <laughs> then, he, then he calls his buddy. He waits for his like, parents probably, to leave for work, all of he that waits stuff. for his parents. Yeah, he probably doesn't even meet up with Cameron until like, what, 10 a.m.? At least. 9.30 at the earliest? Yeah. At least. At least. And then they they go to the house. He has to convince them to get the car. They finally get the car. Then they go to the school, pick up Sloan. Then they drive all the way into the city. It's at least noon by this time. At mm-hmm. least. Maybe later. And then they go to a, a goddamn baseball game. Baseball games are the longest sport in the world. After they go to a fancy restaurant for lunch, too. After they go to the fancy restaurant. That made her yeah, deep. I mean, <laughs> it's so good. You are Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago. That's right. I'm Abe Froman. <laughs> ah, there's so many good moments in that movie. And not to mention the time he had to take to do the doorbell recording. Do all yes, of the voicemail all, all of things and do the, the all of the snoring and the mannequin yeah. and so oh. many things. And you're just like, yeah, no, he's had this plan for a while. <laughs> yeah, it's the end where Sloan looks at him and she's like, you knew exactly what you were doing when you woke up this morning, didn't you? And just kind of smiles. I love that he doesn't really answer. He just kind of smiles. <laughs> yeah. And then they went to a hot tub at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. After his friend has a like a meltdown. That was his answer to making his friend feel better. Let's just go sit in a hot tub. <laughs> and who knows what hot tub it even was? Was it at Sloan's house? Yeah, or who, you know? who knows? <laughs> no, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's fair. He'll figure it out. Yeah. I do love that Cameron's putting it on that whole time. He's yes. acting because he was legitimately upset that the Ferrari was like at 300 miles or something or whatever it was. Yeah. Or more. He goes in the pool and acts like he's drowning. But I love the camera pans in on him underwater. And he's like looking around like, is anyone going to come get me? Because he's doing it for attention. Yeah. And then Ferris dives in. There's a whole scene of him like trying to resuscitate him. And, and then he wakes up and he just goes, Ferris, you're my hero. <laughs> it's so good. It is. And then you have the moment later on where Sloan is teasing Cameron and was like, did you look when I was changing? Yes, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I can't wait to talk about this. The most, one of the most iconic scenes in any movie is when Cameron is just, is debating internally with himself whether or not he's going to go <laughs> yeah. to Ferris's house when he's in the car. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. He'll keep calling, he'll keep calling. And then he does it. He closes the door. And then the camera 
pans back to the steering wheel yeah. and you see Cameron in the background just like stomping around and freaking out. Dude, it's so good. We've all done that before. Like, you know, just debating. I don't want to go, but fuck, fuck it. I'll go. My friends will give me shit if I don't. Yeah. So good. That's like a classic high school thing to do. Your friends all want to do this thing. You don't want to do it, but you're the person with the car. <laughs> you know? Yes, exactly. Yeah, I love the whole beginning sequence. Ferris is like waxing intellectual, you know, like, I'll quote John Lennon. I don't believe in the Beatles. I believe in me. And he's like, you know, going on to this whole thing. And he's and then he keeps bringing it back to the fact that he doesn't have a car. Yeah. It wouldn't change the fact that I still don't have a car. <laughs> he says it like two or three times in like a five minute span. So good. Yeah. And it's a very high school thing. It's like certain kids have cars, certain kids don't. So then the kids with cars end up driving all the other kids around. Even, yeah. you know, maybe it wasn't a thing at the time, but like I had my license where you can't like drive anyone else around for a year unless it's like an adult uh-huh the permit yeah and you know i had like my f- physical license it wasn't like the piece of paper permit but it was just like some rule they had where it's like oh you can't drive anyone under 21 or something around yeah yeah without you know an adult present and you know being a high school kid Everyone did that anyway. <laughs> Everyone did it anyway. Yeah. And yep. that's why it's so funny when he's like, well, I don't have a car, but then he's the one who drives the Ferrari. And you're like, do you even have a license? <laughs> that's right. That's a good point. Yeah. We, I often wonder that. I doubt he did. It doesn't matter. No. It doesn't matter. For Ferris, it never matters. He'll figure it out. The cop pulls him over. The cop probably knows him. Yeah. I heard you're sick today. Oh, you're feeling better? Great. Have fun. <laughs> yeah, have a great day, Ferris. Let me lead the way. I'll turn the lights on for you. <laughs> I mean, I, there's just so many moments. Like when the kids call Ferris from the payphone <laughs> at school just to check in on him. Yeah. You know, the girl gets on the phone and is like, how's your bod, Ferris? You know, and he like fakes the coughing with the, the keyboard. I mean, the, it's just there's so many like little moments in that movie I've seen it so many times, but it's, it's fun. It's just as good every time. I can't like, I can't stress to people. There, there are very few movies that hold up and yeah. and last and test the, the last the test time. And I, I think that this is certainly one of them. It was made in 86. Like you said, you weren't even born. <laughs> I was, I wasn't really an aware human yet. I was three years old. Yeah. And, um, I, I, maybe I'm wrong. Does it, does it still hold up? I think it does. I thought it did because I think when movies hold up best is when they don't rely on effects. They just rely on these human stories. And even, you know, Star Wars from 1977, they use so many practical effects that even if space doesn't look real, it's fine. You know, (laughs) we don't need Star Wars space to look real necessarily. Obviously, it looks a lot better now for the purposes of just how far technology has come in the last 40 plus years but with speaking of star wars you notice they use the star wars theme when yeah, they, yeah. when those two guys are i was like oh i bet they had to pay lots of money for that <laughs> that like the movie had just come out it was a new movie it yeah been out for a few years but yeah anyway no i think it, i think it holds up and i will admit not everything does i had a lot of people growing up that were older than me like my aunts and uncles even my parents tell me watch all these old movies like Caddyshack. Have you ever seen Caddyshack? No. It's fucking awful. I'm sorry. People are going to give me so much crap for saying that. It's just like, I, I don't get it. It, it, it kind of, 
it sees references to a certain time, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the other one with Jim Belushi? The like, the house party fraternity one. Was it Animal House? Yes. I haven't seen it, but I think we have it somewhere. <laughs> I think if you're going to watch it, you're going to have some moments where you laugh, but it's it's going to kind of go over your head because there's it's very specific to a time. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, maybe Super Bad will be one of those movies because it's so funny, but it's very 2000s-y. And I think if you watch it in 20 years, it might have all these references to, like, rappers of that time or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think Ferris Bueller's Day Off, it doesn't really... I mean, it's certainly an 80s movie. It's so 80s. Yeah. You can't change the music and the needle drops in the movie, but the message is not... Yeah, the message itself is not 80s. It's, hey, this is a message that still applies to high schoolers today, even as big as social media is now. It's like, you still go out, you still hang out with your friends, you still want to skip school, you still want to go do these dumb teenage things. And not just high school. I think it applies to everyone. It applies to the 42-year-old career-driven person you know, every once in a while, you got to take a day off. You got to, like, I'm I'm obsessed with Disney now. We, we've talked about this a bit. Yeah. And I, so much that me and my older sister are starting a Disneyland-specific podcast. And that's, like, the one I'm so excited about doing. Yeah. No, it's like, yeah, I'm 36, and yet maybe it's silly to some people that I'm obsessed with this place. That's fine. But for me, it, it just represents the, the same thing that I love about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. This lightness, this, like that there still is magic every once in a while and and you can let go and be a kid. And I I think that that was Ferris's whole objective for the day. He's like, I am just going to let go and go have fun. (laughs) There's like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of beauty in that. Exactly. And hopefully sometime in the next few months, we can all take a Ferris Bueller day off. It'll happen. I know it seems like forever, but we'll look back at this time. A, we'll feel I don't want to use the word privileged, but we'll feel significant to have experienced it. Like this is history in the making. Yeah. When you tell your grandkids that you were around during this era, it's going to, it's going to be so many curiosities and questions. And it's like Ashley's grandma telling me about being alive during the Dust Bowl in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. It was horrific. It was such a, a significant moment for people in that part of the country. It's hard to even wrap your head around how much that impacted people there. Yeah. Or or being in Manhattan in 9-11. Like all these moments in history, we get to say that we we were there. And yeah, yeah we, we were not allowed to leave our homes for months on end. And there was a thing called social distancing. Your kids are <laughs> like, what? How does that even mean? Yeah. You know, and like the mask culture will last for a while now. And I don't know, I think that We'll look back at this time and it, it will seem like a blink in the in the longness that is our life. Yeah. It's significant now, but it, it will eventually pass and we will have our own Ferris Wheeler's Day off. I hope so. I have one last question for you before right. we wrap things up. Were you sad for the Ferrari? Oh, so <laughs> sad. Very sad. <laughs> Me too. But, but I do think it's worth, it's like a sacrificial lamb so that Cameron can find his independence and his freedom. A very expensive sacrificial lamb. (laughs) Very expensive. But, you know, there's a moment where he he finally has a calmness come over him. And, you know, the the cheesy music picks up. There's the the push into his face. And it's like this full house moment where he's like, it's going to be okay. 
you know, my dad's going to come home and we're just going to have to have a little chat. And, he, and he's okay with it. He knows that he's going to be okay. He finds that strength that Ferris exudes around him. And I, and I just love that. So yeah, I was sad. But it was worth it. It was a great moment too, because Ferris was trying to be like, I'll take the heat. I'll take the heat. Yes, I was the one who yes. convinced you to let me take the car out. And he's like, you know, I could have stopped you. You can be stopped. Yeah, you can be stopped. Yes. And and that is the truth, is he can. Mm-hmm. And Cameron knows that. And he's been around this guy his whole life. Yeah. And yeah, I think that Cam- he finally just found his own inner strength, his own Ferris Bueller in, within himself. Yeah, it was really just so fun getting to watch this all around. It's definitely like a oh, five-star movie for me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, me too. Oh, that's so good to hear. I wasn't quite sure. I was like, I don't know. She's younger than me. Is this not going to land? Like, are you she watches so many about? Stephen King movies. <laughs> By the way, I, my wife and I are huge horror movie fans too. So we should revisit that at some point. We just watched um, a, a local theater, like a few suburbs away from us, a real small town, Cornelius, Oregon. They have a little theater where they, they're doing drive-ins. Okay. And it's not really what they're known for. It's a theater, but in their parking lot, they put up a big screen and people can go and park in the parking lot. And it's, you know, social distancing, very safe. And uh, they played a horror movie. I'm, God, I can't remember the name of it right now. Um, shit, I can't remember there. I'll get back to you. But it was kind of like a B horror movie. It just came out, but I thought it was great. And, you know, I, I could see a lot of people wincing and stuff. Was it like Satanic Panic or something? I just know that's a recent one that came out on Shudder. <laughs> no, it was about a witch, like a witch taking over an area. I'll get back to you on that. Okay. I'm the worst at remembering names. Well, you know, I think we had a lot of fun talking about Ferris here. So, James, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And you will definitely be back on at some point. Oh, well, thank you. I really appreciate it. I am a huge movie fan. So to do this was a huge honor. I love movies. Same here. And they're nice and easy to get through. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. All right, everyone, that does it for this episode of Welcome to Geekdom. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so through our Patreon. You can sign up for a dollar a month. That'll get you a thank you on the show. $2 a month, you get to pick a topic that myself and a guest will discuss on the show. For $5 a month, you can join the Welcome to Geekdom Slack group, where you can talk to myself and various guests who have been on the show. If you want to follow us on socials, you can do so at GeekdomPod on Twitter and at Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram and Facebook. If you feel inclined, please do give us a review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. It really does help the show. And as always, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.